And we're back. You're listening to UCLAradio.com. This is your host, Furkan Yalson, with another episode of What's Your At? Today we got a very special guest with us, Jeremiah Barnett. How you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful. Very special guest. That's wonderful. Very special host as well. Uh, I'm honored. Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's summer. How's your summer going? Uh, well, I just got here a week ago, and I didn't know there was this heat. Oh, yeah. Heat thing. Oh, you missed the, the, the climax That's of what it, I heard. Dude. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It was... UCLA broke a record for the it was the hottest ever on campus. It was 109 degrees. I am so glad I missed that. <laughs> yeah, it was not where were where were you at? I was in Colorado. You were in so Colorado. Perfect weather. Just beautiful. Yeah. Didn't we have this last summer? Didn't we have a heat wave last summer as well, if I remember correctly? I don't know. We had a really wet winter though. Okay. So I feel like hopefully that like we're not in the drought anymore. Remember that? Remember when we were in the drought? I think, well, I still consider myself in a drought. I take short showers, brush my teeth, <laughs> turn the water off between. No, man, I leave, I wake up and I just turn all the water on. And I just like make <laughs> breakfast. Californian right there. <laughs> yeah, man, born and raised. Yeah. So, I mean, I, for the listeners, I kind of want them to like know who you are, um, where you're from, you know, just like if you could give us like a, you know, like a, like a light, quick life story of Jeremiah Barnett. Yeah, quick life story. Okay, so um, who I am and where I'm from, I've lived all over the place, born on the East Coast, mm-hmm. um, lived in Michigan, Oklahoma, Argentina for a little while, San Francisco, oh, and wow. now LA. Uh, really love it in LA. People always ask, you know, where's your favorite place? I think the next one is always my favorite one because there's always something really wonderful about each one. Traffic, obviously, is a problem here. Yeah. San Francisco's a walking city, so I, I really like that. LA's not a walking city. Uh, who I am, uh, poli-sci major, just graduated in the spring. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Barely made it. <laughs> you and I shared a class that... that Marx, Marxism. That exam, that was a three-hour essay exam. When I sat down, that was my last exam at UCLA ever. That was the hardest three hours to stay there and write. Really? You stayed oh. for the whole time? Well, I, I only stayed like an hour and a half. But, you know, three hours is in your mind. Right, 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 right. Oh, it was, I don't know if you saw me stand up. But I was, peace out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I transferred to UCLA uh, after three community colleges, uh, which was a wonderful experience and really made me appreciate a lot of the resources that UCLA has, mm-hmm. especially uh, the alumni network, which I'm sure we're going to talk about oh, a little yeah, bit Oh, yeah, for later. sure. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I like to write. I like to ski. I used to be adrenaline junkie. That's are, you on the, are you on the ski club? I I hung out with them for a little while, but then I didn't have enough money to actually go skiing. Right. So it was just talking about something I couldn't do, which really hurt. <laughs> right. So I stopped hanging out with them. That's like much. a little campus cult right there, like this the ski the board team and the surf uh, surf. There, there's two different. Yeah, there's all sorts of. I things. think they got the same house. It's pretty much the same. It's club. all the it's same. It's all thing. the same people anyway. <laughs> yeah. So. I didn't know that you like were all over the place just traveling. What, what, what was the reason for that? So my father moved around for his work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wanted to, when I was going to leave for college, in order to break the ice, I suppose, of my parents you know, leaving them, I decided to go to South America because uh, that seemed like the logical choice, right? So yeah. just tear the Band-Aid off. Um, and I learned Spanish and played soccer in Argentina for a year, which was just phenomenal and an amazing experience. Was it like a gap year or you were studying? It was like a, I finished high school, I think, early, if I remember correctly. And then uh, I went there for a year and then I came back and worked even more because I had been concurrently enrolled in high school with community college, which is what gave me the opportunity to go in the first place. Yeah. So it was wonderful. Damn, so you were one of those taking community college classes in high school. I had this goatee and so no one knew how old I really was. <laughs> In uh, community college. And then one time the teacher announced it. Oh, it was the worst day ever. The <laughs> we got a high schooler in the house. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So you got to UCLA 2016? Correct, correct. And what, what, what was your, like, come in? What, what, what were you, like, thinking about? Well, they, 
you know, as a you're a you're a transfer too. So right, you know, yeah. I don't. You came from a quarter, right? So yeah, yeah. SMC's quarter. Yeah, yeah, I came from semester. So they were. I don't. Every single person told me you're gonna die. You're gonna die. You're gonna be terrified of the quarter system. UCLA professors are so much harder. It was a lot of fear, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it represented a lot to go to UCLA to me because it'd been a goal for a couple of years. Uh, so it was a lot of excitement, um, a lot, a little bit of fear, which was, I don't know, it was a little bit overplayed. I think, I think you can adjust. I mean, yeah, it's because like you don't know. It's right. just what people tell you. Right. Which why would you fill my head with fear before I even get a chance to try? Um, so I tell transfers different stories than fear. Uh, but it was wonderful, man. I, I loved it coming here. It was amazing. When you tell, when you say that, uh, you like tell transfers, you know, about UCLA. Is that something that you know you do a lot? You do a lot of. So I've been involved with the honors college since I got here. Uh, I got lucky in you know when I first got here. I don't know about you, but I applied to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to everything. Ski- As freshmen do, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. You just oh, want to yeah. understand what there is out there, right? And because everyone's talking about something new that you don't know about, so you got to try it out. One of which was the honors college that I tried out, um, and I really found a home for my leadership capabilities and development and friends and a community there. Um, and then through the Honors College, I've had the opportunity to represent UCLA on a variety of fronts, specifically with transfers as well. Uh, so speaking to transfers and letting them know, yes, you're coming in and you're technically behind, which is another thing people tell you. For sure. But you're coming in with this developed mindset that allows you to immediately start taking advantage of these resources instead of kind of trying to figure out the system. Uh, yeah, as a transfer, I feel like you're kind of like you got to make up for lost time. I feel like you got to just expose yourself to so many different things and just like join all these weird group me's and turn them on mute after a week, you know? Uh, And it's just like after, (laughs) dude, I'm a big fan of Slack. I'm like trying to move like dude, Slack. Well, that's another story, but you just like join all these different communities and then you like kind of weed them out and then you find out what is for you. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, transferring, you know, usually you only have two years. So it's there's a lot of pressure, I feel like, for kids coming in. I think, you know, having a mentor is something that's really important to, you know, so they don't you don't get filled with fear from all these like different people that you barely know. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, watch out for this professor and this prof- like the quarter system and like these clubs. And I, I commend you for you know doing that. Thank you. Yeah, 100 percent. I agree. Mentors are massive. And that kind of ties into, you know, you. Uh, you co-founded this club called Bruin Bridges. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you guys do? Yeah, correct. So that that actually, when you said GroupMe, that's one of the things that popped in my head because we were trying Slack and GroupMe and Facebook and people have their different it's preferences. A mess, it's a mess, It's a mess. There needs to be like a UCLA, which actually we do have a messaging system on my UCLA. I don't know oh, if you know. Oh, really? I have no, it doesn't, I've it never doesn't function. heard of it. No. It doesn't function. Um, yeah, so Bruin Bridges came after my year of... So I guess I guess I got to back up a little bit. So first year at UCLA mm-hmm. was, you know, summa cum laude, front class, front of the class. Got to get that 4.0. Oh, exactly. Got the 4.0. All the professors know me, et cetera. That was what I thought was it, right? Right. But then I realized through sheer luck, I happened to have lunch with an alumnus who really just stopped me. He, I, as I put it in one of my articles, I think I, he hit me in the face with a brick, basically. It was the most terrifying lunch ever because he made me realize that that structure, that system's going to end eventually. And then something's going to happen and you are responsible for those consequences. So I was heading towards law school and I was only heading towards law school because that sounded good and it was, you know, fun to say and and you can't really go wrong with law school. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And he helped me realize that that was not what I wanted at all. And it had it had it not been for that conversation, I probably would still be I'd be applying for law school right now, going to law school. But he changed my life. And then over the next year, 
I had to figure out, well, what, what then, right? If not law school, then what? So I spent a year asking hard questions, getting really hard answers, not getting answers, just searching. This was your sophomore year after your... This was my junior year. Oh, right. Um, so bad. at the end of my junior year, right. So I transferred in, right. Um, so I wanted to have that experience that I took and not just let it be a part of me because it did change my life. I wanted to start trying to bring it to other people. So through, um, I think through one of my articles, uh, another UCLA student found me, invited me out to coffee, and then they had been talking with their mentor about something similar and the idea that we want to create this experience for UCLA students that really doesn't exist. We have UCLA One, mm -hmm. we have alumni mentor programs, et cetera, but they're very fragmented um, and they're very much, here's a structure, have fun. You know, kind of yeah. like, here's a ball pit, jump in. Yeah. We're more like, here, here's a plan, here's a curriculum. Uh, that's what we wanted to create with Broom Bridges, a structured experience that kind of leads you more rapidly through the experience as opposed to good luck, you know, here's a target. Uh, so that was the that was the incentive for creating Maroon Bridges, and it's been really phenomenal so far. It's funny that you say that because I actually signed up for the alumni mentorship transfer program that they had, and it's exactly how you described. It's like that you get you like you go to one informational session, and then you get matched with one person, and then good luck. That's it. Like, and I didn't follow through at all. I'm like, yep. I don't, I can't. You know, I have so much other stuff on my mind. This is not really a priority for me. But I knew that it would have been something that would have been very helpful, yeah. you know, going forward. Uh -huh. So I really like that idea of Bruin Bridges. Mm -hmm. What kind of started your, like, maybe not focus is not the right word, but like drive to connect with all these different alumni? Yeah. So fear, just terror. Mm -hmm. um, I left that lunch with the alumnus, which it was, it was really a visual memory to me because he actually threw his napkin on the table to stop me because uh, I, I had, was giving him kind of my scholarship spiel of why I was studying political science. And he threw his napkin on the table and he said, but why, but why? And he, I left that lunch shaking uh, physically because I had no idea what was next. I didn't even know what I was interested in. I didn't know what I could do. I was entering my senior year of what had been about a four year process of coming. So I felt like four years had just been cut, had burned, you know, were useless. Uh, so it came out of fear um, and terror of no idea what existed and what was next. Um, and I, I wrote about it recently how I just immediately started reaching out and I had to even, I had made stuff up. You know, I'm interested in X, Y, Z, can we talk? And then once we started talking, they realized I had no idea what X, Y, Z were, but they realized I was searching for something. And so they added a little piece here and I added a little piece there. And then it was an aggregate experience of all of those things that have led to a year later now where I feel much more confident just in every aspect of life. Right. And you have like, you know, on these Medium articles that you're, do you have like a web, do you want to like plug your, the website, is it medium.com slash? Yeah, so well, actually, if you just Google Jeremiah Luke Barnett. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it's actually something we were talking about earlier. Um, Medium.com is this wonderful website that's founded by one of the founders of Twitter. Um, and he somehow has worked it out so that Medium's SEO, search engine optimization, is like hacked into Google's algorithms so that no way. they immediately are the first result. So if you want to remove some old history that maybe you don't want showing up in Google, start just writing. Make, just make a medium. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, so on these mediums, you have like these, you write you write a lot of stuff that's like motivational, inspirational, like trying to get people to, you know, motivate themselves and go out there and kick ass basically. And you have like these things in bold that are just like very powerful and you kind of mentioned them. Um, well, there's, I, I like wrote down so many. Uh, <laughs> this what, is flattering. This is... <laughs> You, I think the one that you met, like powerful relationships beat transactional connections. I think that was like very, that was like, that makes a lot of sense. Cause you go through like, at least at UCLA, like being a part of all these things, you have 
like acquaintances you know it's like this thing like four quarters is better than a hundred pennies or whatever and i think that's so true and mm -hmm. you just got to put in work to like mm -hmm. turn those pennies into nickels into dimes into mm -hmm. like quarters and i don't know it's, that's just you know i feel like that connected like networking is a process of expanding your horizons enlarging your sounding board for ideas and plans and finding new ways to be a service i think that's really like smart because i'm the law school thing too like mm -hmm. i was like i'm doing law school because i'm a poli sci and it's like the next step that's mm -hmm. what you do after your policy because like what what are you gonna do with a poli sci degree you gotta go to law school or you gotta like be in politics and hearing you say that and write about that it kind of like clicked in my head like because i've been leaning away from the law school thing too mm -hmm. i just like what do i do mm -hmm. you know how do you how do you like find out what you want to do next and like it might be okay to not know what you want to do next yes you know oh i couldn't agree more and you talk about the the penny you said penny so that brought it up um, I was actually reading yesterday, and there's this really good example of the difference between investments, small incremental investments, and taking something, you know, as it is up front. Um, and people say, would you rather have a million dollars right now or a penny that doubles every day for 31 days? And it turns out that the penny doubling every day for 31 days turns out to be 10.3 million, I oh, think. Oh, wow. But people always say, oh, the million, obviously, because, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't sound like that much. Same thing with the relationships, with the questions. Um, it's this incremental, slow process of building relationships uh which a lot of times these a lot of relationships that i've been forming for the last year it took a year for them to quote unquote i hate to say this but pay off mm -hmm. you know in that the first year was putting in work and putting in work and it was wonderful and i was learning a lot but they weren't instant you know oh i got a job or oh i got a recommendation from this person because they need to trust you they need to understand who you are before you get started in all the you know giving back part um but yeah, showing so up much. is ninety nine percent of the battle, dude. <laughs> it's that's so true, and a hundred percent of the reward. There we go. Yeah, I I, I think that's very. You just gotta show up to play. You just gotta show up, and you gotta like show safe face or not safe face, not safe face. You gotta like let people know that you're there and you're like doing mm -hmm. things that you exist. Yeah, they exactly. can't help you unless you're there to show yourself in the first place. Right, and I think that kind of ties into. I mean, so the the show is like what's. So just a little like anecdote. The show was originally supposed to be called Hot Girls, where I like it was just like a joke where I just bring in like Instagram models and I'm like, so what's it like being a hot girl? And then it and then it becomes more serious where it's like, how do you, you know, when you step out to the world, you like you know you separate yourself from your online mm. persona and like what's mm. it like you know just more it's like a joke but it's also in depth. And I found that it's very hard to book these Instagram models. Yes. So I transitioned it to more of being at like how people use social different types of social media to like advance their career or like their you know networks or whatever and i think it relates like a lot to you because the first time we met you sent me a linkedin request yeah which like people i'll get linkedin requests yeah and then um i'm like that was my first interaction with you and then like, you liked my k skills having never met me oh yeah endorsed you why why do you do you why what's the reason behind that um uh to be honest, I think it's it's a great way to, for someone to break the ice. You know, mm -hmm. they feel oh maybe we do have some sort of connection, and then a connection can form. Right. It's almost like artificially starting a connection, because everyone knows a LinkedIn connection is about as like a Facebook friend now, mm -hmm. as far as oh we're connected. But if you're liking each other's posts or or endorsing each other, then you actually are inter interacting with each other. Right. Um, and it's not a superficial thing or a, or a fake thing in that I do it and then never see you again. No, obviously. exactly. Like, you're great because there are people who do that. And mm -hmm. I think you're the exact opposite of that. Like, you go in with, like, the best intentions of, like, actually trying to make something out of it. Well, I mean, we're here now, you know? Right. Like, that's 100%. Like, yeah. the first message you sent me was, like, hey, how do I, like, 
make something happen with UCLA Radio. I was like, oh, this guy's not half bad. Like, whatever. And you were like, sign up to be an intern. <laughs> yeah. Did I? Re- <laughs> yeah. And I was graduating. So yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, that's not very helpful. But thank you. <laughs> but I mean, you started your own podcast now. So congrats yeah. on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Don't um, make fun of my uh, sound quality. No, no, no. I, I would never. <laughs> um, and and then we and then I ran into you out. I was flying for a comedy show. Yes, yes and you yes. were outside. You're up. You were walking back to your apartment, and we had like what what seemed like a 20 minute conversation. And I was like, this dude is great. Like he's a nice guy. He's very genuine. And I like great guy. Thank you. And then we had Marxism class, and then I'm like like it, it all started from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and like the way how do you approach your how do you approach social media to like advance your career or your network and yeah. like just expand them on that a little bit first of all i have to comment on the fact that i guess i'm easier to book than an instagram model is that why is that <laughs> oh 100 percent right? easier dude. <laughs> you should see the message like they hate being called instagram models uh, I like the, no like, you call them that i didn't well now i know that it's a bad Hello, thing. miss instagram model well, I'm like, hey like we're doing a show where we inst- like interview instagram models and they're like i'm trying to be editorial i'm not an instagram and then yeah. they just it, i'm like i gave up well what you say is we're trying to interview beautiful young professionals and then <laughs> and then that, oh well, wonderful I'd love to come in anyway um, no I'm writing all this down this oh okay I'm taking notes <laughs> uh, so for how do I how do I use the yeah like how, what's your approach to using social media so right at the very beginning a year ago um, I really was flying under the radar because I had no purpose to be known mm-hmm. you know there was no purpose to be out there because I wasn't producing any sort of I wasn't producing any content right I wasn't writing I wasn't doing any audio things I wasn't meeting with people so everything was just classes which you don't need to be posting about that on your instagram please don't um so i actually shamelessly started connecting with just droves of people uh, because i wanted to receive as much criticism as i possibly could which comes with exposing yourself to a wide audience but then also i wanted to humble myself and kind of desensitize that that fear of putting yourself in front of people and what better way to do that than through the internet right which you can reach hundreds of people that you never would meet unless you stand on brew and walk you would never meet these people. Like I probably would never have spoken with you. Never, right. Even if you'd been flyering, I might not have spoken with you very much because I think I recognized you or remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started connecting with people, didn't really know what I was doing. Then I started posting my Medium articles on my Facebook and my LinkedIn, which that was really embarrassing at first because I felt like I was shoving things down people's throat that they didn't want. Um, but you got to learn that some people are going to not like you. I think I wrote about this. Some people are not going like to you, like you. Other people are going to invite you on their radio show or other people are going to want to get coffee with you or other people are going to challenge you and you're going to grow in the process, you know? Um, So I started connecting with a ton of people and then I started interacting with those people on the platform. So I will entertain whatever questions. I will ask questions myself because it takes maybe 15 seconds to ask you about UCLA radio. Yeah. But now we have some sort of connection growing. And you wrote about that too, where you said you would send five messages a week oh, to yeah. just random people. Well, not yeah. random people, but... Well, random to a degree, right? Because a lot of people are random if you're sending five messages a week, minimum. Uh, and that was on UCLA One as well, which are you, you're familiar yeah. with UCLA yeah, One. Yeah. yeah, which is a really great tool that I can't advocate enough, even just for... Um, as a, It's a directory, right? So you might not use the platform itself for messaging and communicating, but find out who those people are and go find them somewhere else mm-hmm. because they're UCLA alum. So they're already waiting to talk to you. Um, and that just, that, that narrows the gap of kind of how far that person is away from you uh, by a significant amount. So I was sending messages to people on UCLA one a long time ago and still do. That's, I was having a phone call right before this with someone from UCLA one, uh, just constantly exposing yourself. Cause also you're not going to click with certain people, right? So certain people aren't going to like you. 
and you're not going to like oh, them. Oh, for sure, and, yeah. Yeah, that's okay, right? Yeah. So go it, find... It, you got to learn. You got you definitely... Like, it's that's such a hard barrier for people to get past that there's just so many people out there. Not everyone... Yeah, like, not everyone's going to love you. Right. And a lot of people are going to dislike you strongly, and they'll probably tell you, like a Yelp review, you know? Like, yeah. bad Yelp review. But that's okay, because there are going to be people out there who do appreciate what you're doing or do understand what you're doing or that will call you out and you pivot and change. I think that I think that's that's really true I, I, w- I will say on the social media part I looked up Jeremiah Barnett on Instagram today just to be like let me let me tag him yeah 11,000 Instagram followers yeah that was that was an old that's an old account how, yeah. did, how did that how did that come about uh, it was a long process so my brothers were all really into the Instagram thing you know a couple years ago when it was kind of newer right so I kind of rode their wave um, and they all have larger accounts too okay uh, but it was a really old are like, they Instagram models ever. All, are all my followers? Are your brothers? Oh no, they're uh, photographers. Oh, okay, yeah. I wish they were Instagram models. So like you, they you kind of they would like tag you in pictures and then and well and I just follow whatever they were doing the right tags the right tags because there used to be a time of day there used to be there's algorithms dude yeah. you gotta give leave a comment with four words or exactly more. well now they're changing it and they've got much smarter but it used to be much easier to just start aggregating the followers yeah I mean that just that like surprised me I was like what <laughs> I, I was like. Like if it's perfect, like you have as much followers as like some of these Instagram models, mm. which is great. Well, and then I guess I should be here, right? Yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, of course. But then you have another one that you're making for your medium pro- your medium posts. It's it's kind of like a new start in that the other one was landscape and um, some personal or some like quote unquote modeling mm-hmm. photography. This one is more free, right? So this is more I can post about my videos I make. Sometimes I can post about my podcasts or my medium articles, um, and it just started I think a week ago. About a week ago. Oh wow! Yeah, the 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 smaller one, right? Yeah, yeah, the smaller one. Yeah. What 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 kind of like made you start writing medium art? Because like as you said, you you don't really write and stuff. Like, what was the catalyst for yeah. you to start going on medium? Well, um, and I should back up and say one of the quotes that you read. Uh, the I don't remember which one it was. One of the first ones was actually powerful from, relationships. Yes, that was a, from a mentor. So that that's actually tying into what I'm about to say. Most of what I write comes from my lessons I learned through mentors. So it's by no means Jeremiah's, you know, epiphanies when he's sitting up in his sweaty apartment over on Landfair. These are definitely things that I've learned through mentors um, and through different experiences. Uh, so the reason why I started writing was I was sitting down with a mentor um, and he was just n- tearing into me about my complacency and about all these things, which was true. Like it was, it was warranted. Um, and one of the things I took away was you need to think about what have you been doing for the last uh, three or four years with being a poli-sci student. Think about what you've been doing. Get creative. Find some hard skills that you've been doing, which as a poli-sci major... It's hard. Very hard. It's very hard. But we do write a lot, Mm -hmm. don't we? Yeah. We write a lot of seemingly meaningless policy analyses, et cetera, right? They get kind of mundane and boring, but we do write. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, well, I write and I, I like speaking in public, so I'll start doing those two things. Um, so I started trying to find places to speak, and then I simultaneously started trying to publish my poli-sci papers and articles. So I started publishing, um, you know, articles on Iran and all these different things, Middle East, mostly international uh, politics. And then I realized I really like the idea of putting ideas out there because it provides this, this kind of synthesized pressure where you then feel a greater desire to to make those ideas better. It's like accountability. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a self-inflicted accountability by you, right? But I started right. um, by putting it out there. So then I thought, okay, well, I know what Medium is. I read on there. And w- would it be so crazy if I started posting things on there? 
So I started posting um, about books I was reading. I did a little like uh, blurbs, like this is a book I read, it's good for these reasons, you know, period, send. Then I thought, okay, well, I, something I've learned a lot about is relationships. And I think one of my first non kind of reporting article was on creating million dollar quote unquote relationships instead of these transactional relationships. That's, 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 that's very true. And mm. you had one story that I want you to tell to the listeners about how you had a business plan <laughs> and like it kind of took a left turn. You want to tell the listeners about that? Are you talking about the, well, are you, talking the you didn't the, have a business? Right, right, right. Okay, so in the height, well, everything's really the height of everything. I'm always equally busy no matter what I'm doing. But um, in one of the spurts of kind of activity of meeting with people and going places, I was responding to emails on buses. I was responding to emails while walking to class. I wasn't really reading them very carefully, which is a really big flaw. One of which was an invitation to some sort of event that had to do with entrepreneurship. Um, I love entrepreneurship. I love exposing myself to that. So I responded, filled out a Google form, um, and then went. And when I arrived, they said, you know, welcome, Mr. Barnett, and here's your name tag, and you'll be presenting your company third. And I, I kind of stopped her. I said, I'm sorry, presenting my company? I didn't have a company. I said, I'm presenting my company? She said, yes, right after so-and-so, blah, 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 just you'll be getting up and giving your pitch. And that's when it just it flooded back in and I, I was panicking. So I went down, I sat, sat down on a chair and started looking around me and everyone's just this entrepreneur, real entrepreneur, not some college kid who's, you know, lying to get there or something. So I looked at my Gmail, found a Google form that I had filled out and I had, I had pitched a company that I was thinking of starting and that I was really interested in starting, but that I had by no means ever started. I'd done some research on it, but I didn't start. But I had an elevator pitch for it. So I just re-familiarized myself with it and then... Turn a couple buzzwords. Yeah, buzzwords. Oh, for sure. You know, engagement and user activity and daily active and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I went up there and pitched my company and everyone, I think everyone kind of knew. Right. At least they knew to some degree that I didn't really belong there. But, and the point of it was at the end, nothing happened, right? I wasn't kicked out. I wasn't put in prison. I wasn't, nothing showed up in my mailbox. Don't do this again. I realized that going to these things, these events, these networking events, whatever it might be, a lot of it, a lot of the um, the barrier at the very beginning was this idea that I didn't belong, right? As a poli sci major, you don't belong in a programming session for blah 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 because we don't know coding, right? You don't you don't belong in a city planning something because you're not an urban blah 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 or whatever it might be. But that was banished after that that very strange experience that I kind of fumbled my way into because nobody nobody kicked me out. So I it's not that I didn't belong there, which was amazing. I think I think that's really good advice for all the listeners that like there's so many net like I went to an entertainment industry like mm-hmm. networking night I'm like I, I'm not in the entertainment and like I guess I'm in radio but like that's pretty much it and it was the only thing that you're gonna lose is your time mm. and you could gain like the possibility for gain is so high compared to like what you're losing the only thing that you're losing is literally your time that's only that's the only like loss yeah so I think it's really important to, as you said, like if even though if you're not an urban planning major, or like if even if you're not like doing law, like go to these networking events because mm-hmm. they give you like this list of like all the adults, the adults air quotes that are there, and like what jobs they have, and like you can find two or three that you know that interest you, and yeah. you can go learn. Yeah. If it, even if it's not like exchanging business cards or whatever, it's like learning what they do just to find out. Like now that I've got this internship, I kind of understand that there's a working day. Mm-hmm. Like people go to work and they sit there all day and like they do their job, which I guess it's why is it hitting me right now? Like I feel like I should have <laughs> known that already. But it's like people like it's kind of like a same routine. You kind of should, I guess, know what you want to 
I guess it's not like you should understand what the roles are for all these jobs before you pick what you want to do. I feel like yes, yeah. I think that's really important. Then you can only figure that out by interacting with these people and these alumni and reaching yeah. out to them. Yeah, I think that's super important. Yeah. Um, I want to get to the second half. I want to get to like talking about leadership and stuff like that. I feel like we we really connect on that. But we're gonna play a, we're gonna play a quick song. We're gonna get a music break and then we're gonna come back. This song was actually requested. By Jer- well, I asked him, and he gave me an answer. <laughs> so we're going to play this song, and then we'll come back, and we'll keep the discussion going. Thanks for listening. You're listening to UCLAradio.com. Is that a banana in your pocket, or are you just happy to listen to UCLA Radio? No, it's just from the dining hall. And we're back. You're listening to UCLAradio.com. This is What's Your At. Oh, there was an explosion at the end of that. Um... For anyone that's tuned in right now, you guys can go, if you're on our web browser, you can go to the bottom right-hand side of your screen. There should be two little chat bubbles. If you click on that, you can ask us some questions, ask Jeremiah some questions that you may be having. Tell me how you know good of a job I'm doing as host, or just like let me know how your day's going. We're here with Jeremiah. We're talking about everything and everything. And this next segment, I mean, I don't want to limit it to just this, but I want to talk about um, leadership roles. And I'm tempted to hear what you're going to say um <laughs> i see what you did there hey, thank you're doing you. a great job of thank i thought you. the explosion was planned i mean i i knew there was an explosion in that liner but i didn't realize how much of a gap there was between yeah. the end and that explosion i i'm like like i hate playing songs that are over three minutes because i just get bored uh, i just want to play the next thing that's uh, why i really like that song it was only like two and a half minutes long such a smooth, smooth oh it's transition. a good song dude yeah. Is that the kind of music that you like listening to, like oldies? Certain days, right? Roll down the window, arm out the window, get that one burn on your left arm, no burn on the right arm. Got it. Turn on the temptations. So um, leading teams and helping like groups and people like accomplish their goals, that's something that you and I, I feel like, have a lot in common. Where do you think that passion came from for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, um, I, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure where it originated necessarily. I have a lot of siblings, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe it came from kind of a sense of someone's got to be paying attention somebody's got to be looking forward while also looking backwards making sure no one's getting left behind while we know where we're going Um, but then being exposed to higher education especially at UCLA there are so many different ways that you can try leadership out quote unquote you know different clubs different organizations even within your class you know, there are certain people who just have a leadership position within the class. They make the Google Doc. Exactly, yeah. Or they are the ones who are making sure that the professor knows about the contracts that are being messed up, whatever it might be. Um, so I think UCLA exposed me to learning that there were different types than what I was used to, which was kind of the, the loudest person and the bravest as the leader. UCLA kind of showed me a way more nuanced, subtle type of leadership. So you think it was more like, not as opposed to like a catalyst, more like a like slowly learning type situation for you? Well, it was a catalyst in the sense that I think I was 21, I guess, when I came to UCLA. So 21 years of slow growth and then coming to UCLA was like, boom, all these different opportunities to start acting in different ways of leadership. What what were like the things that, what were like your leadership roles that you had? Like just like throughout the throughout your time at UCLA. Ooh, um, I've been really involved with the Honors College. Um, been an Honors Fellow there, which is what, what like does a, that entail? What is that like? Honors as a, Fellow. Yeah, like as a leader, what do you? So what's your responsibilities. There's about uh, I think there were about ten at the beginning. Now there's about twelve or fourteen Honors Fellows. So it's a student council, student government type thing that is attempting to create a community out of the three thousand or so Honors students, because nobody really knows who other Honors students are. 
Um, is the, just to be clear for myself and the listeners, the honors is just like there are tougher classes or what is the honors program? It's not necessarily tougher. Uh, you can get honors credits for doing research. You can get honors credits for certain seminars. Uh, even within poli-sci, there are a couple poli-sci seminars. You can get honors credit for contracts, which you're familiar with contracts and seminars, uh, like the little extra unit that you get. For oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Those are honors. Uh, you get honors for collegium, for all sorts of things. So it's not necessarily more difficult. It's just more things kind of... Things to do. Yes, it's, it's different. It's diversified. Um, but then within the honors college, I also was able to go to a couple conferences um, on behalf of UCLA. You represent the honors college and UCLA to incoming classes of freshmen and transfers um i got to go present at an academic conference on behalf of ucla uh, which was really challenging really interesting um then i was um i was in asc alumni scholars club uh, i was on a committee there for outreach uh taking care of incoming freshmen but then also engaging with alumni to some degree um and then there are a couple more that i'm forgetting but you like you said at the very beginning you kind of you expose yourself to all these things and then you consolidate um or you as you put it, mute the group means, right? <laughs> and you start transferring or, or transitioning into kind of a consolidated focus, or at least that's what I did. And the Honors College was what I really focused on. Is, um, well, I was going to ask a question. Um, was it something about my Instagram page? No. I, I, I would remember if it was about that. <laughs> it was, I was going to ask, oh, um, the on, being like leadership opportunities. I feel like there's so many opportunities at UCLA, but I like... What was I going to ask, man? I hate when this happens. Like well, which ones to take? or? Um, no, it's just about leadership. I, I'll just read something that I wrote down about like leadership. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, not letting your inner voice be silenced. Like mm. about like, um, you know, being a leader. And like, yeah, as you said, there are like people who are meant to lead and people who are meant to follow. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be, you know, a follower or a leader. It's just whatever fits for you. And I this is something that I experienced at least like... Um, you know, trying to like, you know, get build a name for myself and go out there. And there's like, we all, I'll just read it word for word. Uh, we all witness this is from your Medium article. You wrote, we all witness these deadly tools. We, we all witness these deadly tools work their way into someone's core and silence their inner voice. This is about um, not letting your inner voice be silenced. And you wrote, there are three things fear of criticism from being different, fear of the unknown that comes from choosing to diverge from your surroundings. And the worst of all, a self-deprecating misconception that bigger dreams come from arrogant entitlement. Mm. And I think those are all really true that you can't, you can't be afraid. Oh, I was going to ask you about public speaking. Mm. Is that something that kind of felt, that kind of ties into this also. Is that something that you felt was like natural to you, public speaking, or is that something that you had to like learn oh, how to do? Oh, furthest from natural. As really? Unnatural. Well, I guess walking is natural, but you know, you got to learn it right. And it hurts a little bit to learn. Public speaking was was terrifying it still is to a large degree uh, my first class in community college was public speaking 101 and i i dreaded it oh it was the worst and i was the luckiest community college student ever in that my professor was the best probably one of the best professors i've ever had um, and it couldn't have been for a better class a class that i loathed showing up for and this was when i was 16 with the goatee so it was right. even worse um, but he he kind of showed me a different side of public speaking which was all these different, you know, tools like people only see 10% of how nervous you are. Um, people are all nervous for you. All these little things that you can do to kind of cut the fear a little bit more each time. Mm -hmm. And then coming to UCLA through different things, Regent Society for the Honors College for those conferences, 
you kind of just have to suck it up at a certain point and believe in yourself. For sure. You can't be a leader if you can't speak in public at all. Like, even if it's in, like, a small environment where there's, like, 10 people in a group, like, you have to speak to those 10 people, and that's public speaking, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's something that you, like, should work on, no matter if you, even if you don't want to be a leader, like, it'll come where you're presenting, like, a business pitch or whatever. Like, like, I just think public speaking is something that a lot of people are afraid of Mm -hmm. to a tremendous degree. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's something that if you overcome it, there's so many positives positives to it. And it's a privilege. You know, I think about it that way and that I'm humbled anytime that I have people remaining silent and listening to me. And once you start looking at it from that aspect, it's kind of, it fills you with a sense of responsibility and not in this way that's like, oh, I'm going to mess up. Because if you start speaking about things that you care about, it's less of a college experience memorizing a speech on policy in California with water that you have no idea what you're doing Mm -hmm. and more of a for example, the conference was about um, a student perspective on learning outcomes. And I explained to uh, the conference, the people at the conference, which were all academics, that I didn't even know what a learning outcome was when I started in my degree with PoliSci. Do you know we have like learning outcomes for our degree? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah. And they were like, what? We think everyone is running according to that. That's a different story. But the idea was I was speaking about something. That's that like was, what you're supposed to learn at the end of your time, basically. What you're supposed to have come out with. Yeah. Okay. And we have a whole list. You should, everyone should Google it afterward um, to be good students. But I, it was something that I cared about. And therefore, fear wasn't really a factor. There's nerves. But after the first minute of, you know, what's it called? Cotton mouth or co- cotton mouth where your mouth is kind of dry. And your leg is shaking. Yeah. You realize that no one's going to throw stones at you and you're okay. I think it's, it's also easier when it's something that you're passionate about. Like if you're passionate about it you don't need that paper in front of you with like telling you what to say. You don't need, you know, it's just like, it's just a matter of like organizing the words in your head before they come out. That's literally it. Cause if you're passionate, it'll, it'll come out. Mm. So, um, like the, the three things that I read, like the, the three, I wish I copy pasted more of this article. I need more context for these, like these th- three things, but how did you like, these are obstacles to like becoming a leader. I think, like the fear of criticism from being different, the fear mm-hmm. of the unknown. How did you? How did you get past all that? How did I get? I think it's a continuing process. Uh, just like the most world famous speakers, from what I'm told, still are nervous when they speak. Um, I was talking talking with a mentor the other day who said one time he was you know next to someone else in a urinal and it was some famous speaker and he asked him, "How is it that you speak with no fear?" And he said, "I, I are you kidding me? I, of course I still have fear, but I turned it into excitement." And it's because he speaks about things, like you said, that he's passionate about. Um, so I think for me, it's learning how to look at these things differently. Uh, the self-deprecating um, fear of whatever the rest of that one was, that one's probably the most difficult uh, because that comes from within and therefore is the most difficult to silence. The other ones are kind of what you project other people to see on yourself. But that, that last one comes from within. That was the most difficult for me. Yeah, let me read that again for the list. And and the third one is, and the worst of all, a self-deprecating misconception that bigger dreams come from arrogant entitlement. What is what is that? What is that? I think I think I know what that means. Yeah. But can you just elaborate? Because I think I that that is true. That I think this is the most hardest to get over. I just want to make sure that I know what it is. I think it's a combination of things. One um, being, or probably the the primary one being, the idea that if you do something out of the ordinary and with some sort of inner confidence. People who don't understand why you're doing it or how you're doing it sometimes mistake it as arrogance, which comes across in, in leadership a lot with the idea that, you know, m- maybe my idea isn't that great. And then when I say that idea, people are going to think that I think that I'm more valuable than everyone else. Right. But really, maybe your idea is wonderful. 
and maybe you do need to share it, and maybe that self-deprecating fear of bigger ideas or bigger dreams um, that come from a place of arrogance, maybe you need to eliminate that voice and just try. Yeah, I 100%, like, on another level, I agree with that. Because, I mean, I, for next year, I'm going to be the president of the comedy club, and I, thank you for air clapping, <laughs> I, I, like, came to the table with ideas, and I, like, I ran against the guy who was already president, and mm. I, like, that... I felt so bad about myself, even mm -hmm. though I knew that the ideas that I brought to the table would make the club be exponentially better. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I struggled with even after like the elections were over. Like it was just such a like tense like moment. And I think that's very true in all aspects of something that you're doing. Like looking back, like I know I'm, I'm going to like, it's going to be so like my ideas are good and I mm -hmm. know that they're good. Slack being one of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I like for listeners, like don't be afraid to, even if you're not running for these leadership positions or like you're aiming for these leadership positions or positions of power, voice your opinion mm -hmm. to the people in those. Like if some people don't want to be leaders, but like you should still express your opinions and how you want things to be run. And I think that's mm -hmm. something really important that a lot of people don't um, take advantage of because they're like afraid of like talking to people. I feel, well, mm -hmm. maybe not talking to people, but like expressing how they feel towards other people and the fear of that like they'll be like no that's mm -hmm. wrong and i think that no one like no one's gonna be like no that's a shitty idea right you know i think just overcoming that's super important and it's a work in progress it's a work in progress like you'll never you just have to mentally do it yourself through time right and that goes back to the showing up right so sharing an idea is the same idea of showing up if you never share your idea if you remain quiet it's equivalent to you not showing up right so you're not going to learn anything from whatever event it is, I, I listed a whole bunch of those things. I learned a little bit at each one. Had I not shown up at them, I wouldn't have learned that thing. So just like uh, silencing your own ideas in a position of leadership or silencing your own direction for leadership, you're never going to learn, right? You're just going to remain status quo. Which yeah. If you're perfectly happy with who you are in that moment. That's totally fine. Yeah, go ahead. And I think I think as a transfer, I, it's like more upped for, at least for me, maybe as a community as a whole, like, you have a limited amount of time here. We were talking about this earlier. Like you, ha you just got to go out there and get it. Mm -hmm. You got to go out there. You like, you don't be afraid and like felt like you're held back. Go out there and get mm -hmm. it. That'd be my biggest, just like go, you never know. Like I could not have imagined, like be even before I got to UCLA, I'm like, oh, there's a comedy club. This is something that I want to be in. I would have never imagined myself as like leading this thing of having like all these people working, mm -hmm. like working with all these people. And Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm nervous. <laughs> it's 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 gonna be, it's gonna be exciting. How, how, what's your what's your approach on leadership? Mm. That uh, there's always something new to learn, um, especially both with types of leadership, but then also from the people you're leading. I think that was one of the bigger lessons I learned was that just because maybe you have the seniority or you have the whatever, like you're the person you ran against, he had a lot of seniority on you, right? He'd run the position. Yeah. He knows the people. But you are now the president, right? Which doesn't mean that you're any less. It just means different, right? So everyone has something to learn from everyone else. Especially, for me, this is personal. If there's someone who, quote unquote, has terrible ideas, learning how to work with that person is going to be one of the more valuable lessons that you can learn, right? How to, how to not tear down their ideas, how to make them feel um, welcome, and how to help them find better ideas. Because that's part of your responsibility as the leader, right? Yeah. I, th I I agree with you 100%. I think making people feel valued mm. is very important. And making people feel like they're a part of a community is very important to, you know, accomplishing more things in the future. Yeah. And I think if there's someone, 
if there's a leader who's not about building that community and like helping others then it's just going to be stagnant for a while and that's mm -hmm. you know that's why i ran i'm like we're, we're not building community there's like more opportunities to take advantage of and i th yeah like just we, being a leader is just being accountable for all these people at mm -hmm. least there's a lot of responsibility and you got to be up for it what what kind of what's when did you know that you were more of a leader than a follower yeah that's uh that's a good question um i think when i wouldn't i couldn't sit still when i saw something that could be improved and i used to the only avenue i was aware of to address that was standing up and being the one to swallow the nerves of standing up um, and doing something for instance on a very small level you know we've all been in those circles where you know someone says let's do xyz who wants to go first i hate i hate that silence i just really oh, don't yeah, like that yeah, yeah. that awkward silence because it's more awkward than if you just if someone just talks that's much better right so i just always put myself as a person who i'd wait two or three seconds to make sure nobody was going to go and then i'd go even though i hated it um and then getting the ball rolling yeah getting well. the ball rolling and stop wasting time and the awkward silence i really didn't like it so it appeared there i think at first and then it started just coming out in other places where friends were having trouble with you know plans or something i would help out with that and then when i started getting official positions it came to learning the power of silence which is really important as a leader because then you know they t you think about that person who's always smiling it's really scary when they stop smiling or when a person that's always frowning it's really scary when they're smiling because it's like whoa what what happened that's making you change as a leader if you spend more time in silence and listening when you speak it becomes that more much important. more exactly yeah so I started, I spent a lot of time in silence and then when I would speak, people would listen and I wondered why. And then it kind of circuitously, I found out that maybe I am a leader and then I started exploring it more. That's, that's very true. That's something that radio has taught me and like interviewing people, interviewing is about like listening mm -hmm. and there's this cliche. It's like, God gave you two years in one mouth to listen, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's very true. The more, the older I get, the more it's, it makes more sense. Mm -hmm. the, like there's so many quotes about listening, but it's, it's probably the best advice because you, you have to like pro like when you speak before you have a time to like listen and like comprehend and like build it all together in your head you need to have the opportunity to do that before you like you come up with something that you want to say or an idea that you bring to the table and i think that's mm -hmm. really important for people who like want to you know become a leader i guess or anything so going back to the mentorship thing you're just i'm just a kid right i'm still just a kid i refer to myself as a kid I know next to nothing. So when I'm sitting with a new person, whoever they might be, I have to put a cap on whatever I'm saying because I, it's not about me. I'm learning. Right, right? Yeah. If I was the professor, that's great. Then I'll teach, but I'm a student. I, th I think that's really important for people to, to know. We're, we're nearing on the last 10 minutes or the last five minutes of the show. Do you have any, um, like, you know, I guess, I, I would say plugs. Do you have any plugs you want to get out there? Um, I am going to create an official body, official entity for coaching students. Because uh, one of the things that I, I found over the last year of writing is that people actually are asking the same questions. People are interested in the same things. And so they reach out to me and they ask me questions, which I, I love. And I, I can't thank people enough for flattering me in that way. Um, but it also challenges me. Like I said, that artificial pressure. When people are looking to you as a leader or whoever you might be, you push yourself harder, which I am extremely grateful for. So I'm creating an official entity uh, for coaching students. So feel free to reach out to me. Don't feel like it's weird uh, to reach out for me. Google my name if you want to read my articles. Um, and of course, 
come to all the comedy events <laughs> because we have a new president and it's going to be phenomenal. Just, um, thank you for coming on. Do you have any like final words you want to you wanna tell the listeners? Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday in that there are 100 cliches that I could give and 100 mantras, 100 quotes from Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Benjamin Franklin, whoever you might think. But I think the most important thing that I've learned is that no matter where you are, no matter who you are, there is a way forward. And that's, that's without a doubt the most important thing I can impart because there's always a way forward no matter where you are. That's great. Hmm. Jeremiah Barnett, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, that's been our show. You're listening to What's Your Out with Rick Arnielsen. See you guys next week.